Can we bow for prayer, please? For these moments of God of speaking and listening, we pray your presence. For our moments of doubt and faith, we ask your presence. For the moments of temptation and love, we ask your presence. To be with us this day in any and all things. Amen. The hospice nurse on my team called and asked if I could go. She was tied up some 40 miles away with another child. And she said, I think this child is dying. Can you go? And I said that I would. I got to this place. Mom answered the door. Hand up. First thing she said was, we can't have any family here. But I'm glad you came. Which seemed like a double message. And she explained that family just seemed to need something from them, and they didn't have it to give. And they wanted somebody who didn't need anything from them. The little girl is 13 years old. She had been diagnosed at the age of three with mucopolysaccharidosis. We always called it MPS because I can say MPS more than once. Her father didn't believe the diagnosis, but at five, when she went blind, he believed it. Now at 13, she's just a mass of twisted joints and limp body, and she's dying. And her mother asked if she might get her out of the bed and hold her, wants to know if I think that's okay, and I think it's okay. I don't think you can hurt her at this point. And we get her out, and it's awkward, but we prop up mom's arms to support her as she holds the child. And it's very striking. She holds her in the pieta position, that wonderful work of art where the broken body of Jesus is held by his mother. And she motions to me, and she takes my hand, and she puts it on her daughter's heart. And her heart is beating wildly, as it does during the dying process. When the brain is saying to stop, but the heart and lungs kind of have their own way, and they're going to keep beating, trying to do what they're supposed to do, provide oxygen everywhere. But it won't be long. And mom says, now I want you to pray. And mom has never wanted me to pray. Mom's angry at God. She says, pray now. Pray that God will take her now. This has gone on long enough. It's an awesome thing to pray for a child to die. But I did. I remember the prayer, simply saying that nobody loves this child more than mom and dad. Nobody loves this child more than God. And we think it's time for it to be over. And we pray that you'll come and take her. I took my hand off of her heart and I put mom's hand there. I thought mom's hand belonged there, not mine. 
before I did, I already noticed that her, the speedy heart was slowing down. And her father leaned in and called her his pet name for her and said, it's okay, you can go on. And she died. And her mother said, I, I was looking at her face and then suddenly I'm looking into her soul. And I know she saw me. And in those few seconds that this took place, it felt to me like something unspeakably sacred swept through the room and called her by name and said, it's time to go with me. Not audible, but unmistakable. And in coming visits, mom would have to go back and be reminded of what she experienced and because it was so hard to believe that after these 10 years of this disease that this ending could be so sweet, that there could be this sense of, of more. It's really hard to believe. And she focuses for us our dilemma on an Easter Sunday when we make this preposterous claim of resurrection. How does one believe something so unbelievable? I've not come this morning with algorithms for believing. I do not have a formula for faith. Just some musings that feel pitifully small in the face of such a stupendous claim. Mary represents a lot of us who have trouble to believe. We, uh, I had parents who were faithful. I was never hungry except as a teenage boy when I was never not hungry. I didn't go to war and see people blown to pieces. We like to say there are no atheists in foxholes. There are a lot of atheists in foxholes. You cannot witness the carnage and the unbelievable destruction we do to other people. My first gods did not betray me, and they laid a foundation for faith. Easier to believe, like those who see grave clothes and a handkerchief that covers a face and conclude, okay, faith, but not Mary. And I think she touches us with her own struggle. Mary stood weeping. No empty grave clothes and handkerchief were enough for her. She is the, pitter, the picture of utter brokenness. Oh, we know this place of standing in a silent cemetery while the absence of a loved one seeps into our very souls, a place where emotion swells and chokes and overflows, a place where our great fear of death is focused, the place where our experience of loss realized, the place where our constant companions of vulnerability and helplessness Stand sentinel. The others have gone quickly. It says that they saw these things and they believed. Uh, I'm thinking maybe not quite that fast. I'm thinking maybe it took several years before they looked back and said, oh yeah, we believed at that moment. We're afraid to really look at death. Afraid to stand there with Mary. No, grave clothes and a couple angels talking to her, not enough for Mary. 
she assumes cruelty, the cruel stealing of a body. Who does that? But she's been witness to the obscene execution and torture of someone she loves. She lives in a depraved place where the Romans like to dot the countryside with those who dared to speak against them. They have a conquering boot on her people, and the whole culture has a conquering boot on her heart. She's kept down. Believe? Mary can only believe her broken heart. You can divide Louisville into segments, really. In the segment where I live, a child can expect to have one, maybe two traumas by the time they're 20 years old. There are other places in town where the expectation is really 8, 10, 11. A friend, a loved one, murdered. A parent, arrested. Sentenced. Drugs coming in and out. It's not right for me to begin to expect them to respond the way that I do. In some homes, and I've got to say this, I've been in, this is the third service now, and I've seen every service there is a child sitting on a parent's lap being cuddled. And it is sweet to see. But you know and I know that there are children not even that far from here who've given up their birthright to being loved and who watch their parents looking for every tick and every change in tone of voice, wanting to know when the violence is coming, when the parent is about to lose control, and they want to make sure they're out of the way. In utter brokenness, Mary believes cruelty. And she does all she can, which is to beg for the body. And then there's this mistaken identity. She's talked to a couple angels. That's not enough. And she assumes she, and she turns around, she's talking to the gardener. I can't imagine the anger that must have risen inside of her, the gardener. Should have protected this place, should have protected her loved one, should have prevented grave robbers. We do not always recognize God, do we? I sat in the living room with a woman whose child was ill and who would die eventually. A woman whose husband was a convicted felon, still in prison. And she told me her prayer was that God would send somebody to help her. Every day she prayed for help. And God had ignored her prayers. And I'd heard somebody in the kitchen who rumbling around, and this guy came in, big guy, not tall and not fit. There's a big guy with skin that looked like ashen. He didn't look healthy. He sat quietly and said he'd fix lunch for the other sibling who was the boy doing all kinds of things to get attention. That when he finished the sandwich, he'd take him outside. Reminded her of the time for the the medicine for the child was coming. And then he waddled out of the room. 
while she kept saying, God doesn't answer my prayer. And I think, shouldn't God look like the revelation window? And not like this guy with bad skin? But what I realize, I do not get to should on God. Sometimes God looks like a gardener with muddy knees. And there's a subtle invitation in all this to see God where we do not expect to see God in people that we may have judged to be less, in situations that we believe forsaken. And then a whisper, a word, a simple name. Mary. And she is so lost, the whisper of her name burns through the fog of her despair and takes her hand, Mary. And she gets it. And she doesn't text OMG to anybody. She says, teacher. This is amazing to me. She's transformed from this broken woman to this student ready to learn. ready to be taught that there are more possibilities than her assumptions of cruelty have allowed, that there is, in fact, God after death. I recently read a book called The Great Alone. It's a name for Alaska, a family in the 70s went there. It starts with a 13-year-old girl. Her father has a lot of darkness inside of him, and they're trying to keep ahead of their bill collectors because he can't keep a job and he can't stop drinking. They survive the winter of Alaska because of the kindness of neighbors who tell them all that they need to do. But the darkness and the cold keep driving her father further into his madness. And she learns about the abuse, and she witnesses it. Eventually, she survives because of the kindness of those very neighbors and of family and also the strength that is within her. And near the end of the book, she muses out loud, there are a hundred ways to get lost, and there are more ways to get found. Teacher, said Mary. She models for us this openness to learning that there's more than she could have possibly imagined. Go tell the others There's more to come. He talks about ascension. I'm sure she didn't get that. I don't get that. And Mary tells them. She doesn't say, I saw the empty grave clothes. She doesn't say, I saw the empty grave. She didn't say, I saw the handkerchief over his face. She says, I saw the Lord. Interestingly, it says that the others believed. It doesn't say that about Mary. She says, I saw the Lord. The posture of a student, it's its relationship, openness to what God may be doing in my life. And it started with her name, a whisper, really. A whisper I heard one day at the death of a child. And I believe 
Amen. We sing a hymn of response. You come, please, as we sing. <laughs>